So, uh, welcome back to another political episode of Lazy Yet Successful um, that I wouldn't have been doing again, but um, the, 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 the thing happened. The, the, the thing that I think most people uh, were worried about on Friday happened. Uh, Trump got a positive... I think I'm mixing up my timelines here. Uh, no, that's true. On f- Friday, I think. Let me check this. Ah, okay. Friday, 1 a.m., which is the reason I was mixed up on timelines. It was 1 a.m. on Friday, so it was essentially Thursday at this point. Uh, Trump tested positive for coronavirus, and that was after I recorded the political podcast mentioning that Hope Hicks had been exposed. And, you know... Uh, Trump testing positive would have just been, it wouldn't have been tremendously terrible news. I think he was tested uh, once before. Um, where things got worse is that he was actually hospitalized uh, and brought to Walter Reed Medical Center on a Friday afternoon, where he was brought um, out of an abundance of caution, allegedly. Um, that's not now that's not what happened. He was not brought there out of an abundance of caution. Um, that's pretty clear if you just watch the Twitter videos that Trump sent out. Um, he's not there out of an abundance of caution. He was brought in because on Friday he was having trouble breathing and needed to be hooked up to an oxygen tank because his vital signs were rapidly deteriorating in addition to him holding a pretty significant fever. And Trump is a, I believe, a 74-old, morbidly obese, a very unhealthy man that subsides mostly off of McDonald's and, I suspect, uh, lusting after his own daughter. So he doesn't have, he has all of the comorbidities you would expect with coronavirus. He's old, he's overweight, he doesn't eat well, he doesn't exercise, he doesn't do anything that Anybody that's not a cartoonish caricature of a billionaire um, would actually do. So, yeah. Um, Melania Trump has it too, um, but she's faring much better than the President of the United States is right now. The President of the United States, on the other hand, is actively battling coronavirus in Walter Reed Medical Center. and uh, There's a bit more of the story, which we'll dive into in a moment, but... The main thing here is I want to offer a reminder to everybody who is listening to this podcast that Donald Trump, uh, while you may have had sympathy for him for coronavirus, I don't recall him giving a flying fuck after he killed Herman Cain through the exact same shitty, terrible um, protections he had at his rally. So... Obviously, I wish him to recover, and I wish him the best, but the reality is Trump would never wish that of any other human being on this planet because that wasn't named Trump, and even then, that's a little bit of a gray area. Um, so Trump, people are wishing Trump well, and they don't, and Trump generally doesn't give a shit about, well, he wouldn't have given a shit about any of them. He wouldn't have wished any of them well. Um, some good news here. 
in Trump's coronavirus diagnosis is that so far, um, Donald Trump is the only one in his immediate family uh, that's been affected with symptoms, which is good. I don't think anybody deserves to suffer from this virus, and I don't think anybody in the right mind will wish this on anyone. It sucks. Um, I actually did have it at one point way back, um, and I didn't, I, I was healthy, um, and I didn't suffer from the same problems as I think a lot of other people did um, with coronavirus, but I was still, I, I mean, I wasn't doing well. I basically ended up living off of Mucinex for at least a week, um, if not longer. Tried a whole bunch of different random little remedy things I thought would help. Um, some of them might have. I'm not a doctor. I'm not going to talk about that. I'm not going to be here peddling some bullshit uh, therapy cure because I'm, I'm not the president of the United States. Um, but it sucks, and I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't want anybody to get it. And the good news is nobody in Trump's immediate family has gotten it. The other piece of good news is most of the people at the debate um, on Tuesday were unaffected. Um, Joe Biden did not get coronavirus, and neither has Chris Wallace. And, I, you know, granted, I think both of those people are sympathetic to the president right now, but I would also be mad as hell if I were either of them, especially right now, because A, Trump exposed him to coronavirus, and, you know, that's not that bad, um, that... That, that, that's not something, if you unwillingly know, like, expose somebody from coronavirus and you took all proper precautions, I don't know if that's really on you. If you took all the proper precautions, didn't know you had it, um, maybe you slipped up somewhere in contact tracing or something, but overall it's not on you. Um, but I would be pissed at them because it turns out that on Tuesday, and this came out on the wake of anything, uh, Trump arrived late to the debate he was not tested by the Cleveland Clinic, and his family refused to follow mask-wearing protocol. Getting tested was apparently more of a on the honor system than anything else, and Trump's family and Trump didn't want to do it, and they just went on with the debate anyways, which is reckless. It's not actively reckless. So, here's the fun part. Let's move on to Wednesday. So, the date that Donald Trump as it turns out, was uh, tested for coronavirus was, in fact, not the date we were told he was tested for coronavirus. He was tested on uh, Wednesday midday. He was diagnosed with coronavirus, even though he did not announce this until Friday. So, timeline. Wednesday, midday, Trump tests positive and is diagnosed with COVID. Now, Joe Biden and his team are not contacted, and this just fits in with the theme of Trump giving a thought, not a single fuck about other people. And I want to call it specifically that uh, Biden's team pulled back on negative attack ads while Trump was hospitalized out of some form of taking the higher road respect. I honestly don't know. It's up to Joe Biden. It's his morals. It's his character. I respect him for it, but that's the decision he made. And the Trump team in kind decided they were going to launch even harsher attack ads. Again, uh, the Trump likes when sympathy is for him. He doesn't like giving sympathy to other people. So I think in his mind, if he infected Joe Biden with coronavirus, uh, he just called that an overall win. And 
say that it was his superior genes at the next Nazi MAGA Trump rally. Um, Speaking of Nazi MAGA Trump rallies, that brings us to what Trump did Wednesday afternoon, which was after his positive uh, coronavirus diagnosis. He traveled to Minnesota for a rally and fundraiser at a donor's house. So um, Trump deliberately infected people with coronavirus because he knew he had it and he still went to the rally and fundraiser. Now you can you can have sympathy for the president for um having the virus for contracting it. Um but like I said, he doesn't have sympathy for anyone else. And I don't think he cared about anyone else when he showed up to those events. I don't think he cared about spreading it. And he did so willingly. Anybody that was involved in that, you, you know, I I will happily accuse Donald Trump of killing Herman Cain. Because in my view, he did. It was his stupid-ass policies that caused it to happen. But there is a mile of difference in the degree of murder, if we're going to call it that, between doing that and actively knowing that you have coronavirus and showing up to a rally and fundraiser with a bunch of people who don't follow precautions for a virus that you've told them not to follow so your crowds could look good and have told them are fake so your crowds could look good and then they all get infected because of your stupid ass decisions. What? Why have sympathy? Why would you have sympathy for somebody that was deliberately infecting others with this virus? What in... Why? What? Why? I, I mean, actually, I don't know why he did that. I don't know why. I don't know what benefit he saw himself as having to do this. Aside from maybe thinking like, oh, if I if I have symptoms from coronavirus, then I'm going to look bad to my supporters. So we better cover it up. Well, unfortunately, things didn't turn out that way. So now you're there's a direct paper trail showing you're responsible for killing any of these people if they succumb to coronavirus. And that takes us to Thursday. When Hope Hicks was diagnosed with coronavirus um, after he felt sick on Wednesday. Again, this was Trump's, let me check my notes here, uh, senior counsel that he infected deliberately by not quarantining. Um, Trump began experimental treatment, uh, which is essentially he got access to an antibiotic um, drug that was in testing that wasn't fully, what well, wasn't antibiotic, it was antiviral and contained antibodies from COVID-19 patients. And that drug isn't on the market yet. It's still in testing phase, but he got access to it. I mean, there's a question of whether that's fair. It's not. Um, but you know what? He's he's the president of the United States right now. Whatever. If anybody is going to have access to that, realistically, it is probably going to be him. So later that day, Trump traveled to a New Jersey golf club, met with 18 donors in an indoor round table without masks. The man did not wear a, wear a mask. He just went straight at it. And then Trump traveled to New Jersey Golf Club that with uh, I can't believe he did this. 
again, I mean, this is deliberately infecting your donors. So why are they going to donate to you if you're deliberately infecting them with this virus? And then um, Friday takes us to 1 a.m. when news broke that Trump tested positive. And after he was tested positive, his condition began deteriorating rapidly. And he was in good spirits, but he was on oxygen. He was very exhausted. You can see him in the freaking uh, the freaking Twitter video. He's like heavy breathing if you slow down the video. He does not have enough oxygen. He does not have enough breath. He is not in healthy conditions. He is very, very ill throughout the scope of this video. And there was another video uploaded on Saturday um, today, which had Trump talking about talking about coronavirus. Um, well, talking about getting better from coronavirus. Um, but in this video, he wore the same suit. And there were White House cabinets behind him. So this was, by all means, a pre-recorded message. I'm sure that was also recorded on Friday, which is why I'm mentioning it here. I'm sure by all means, um, Trump Trump recorded these videos in advance because he wanted to have things come out while he was uh, still in the hospital. I mean, let's see. Uh, I'll check his Twitter because I think this is kind of also uh, relevant here. So, Donald Trump. Uh, by the way, we do have a Twitter. It's at Lazy Successful. Um, we're using it more now to uh, comment to different folks um, but and to uh, comment on different political things or other topics that we find interesting that in ways that don't really make sense inside the scope of a full podcast um, or any sort of vocal contact. But here we go. Um... That video came out Saturday, and again, those videos were likely recorded at the same time. He has the same suit on. Well, actually looking at it now, it's a very similar suit. It's not quite the same, but there's enough um, he, he looks fairly similar between the videos, and considering he hasn't posted much beyond this, and I'll get into that in a minute, that's probably because uh, it was pre-recorded, so... Trump posted the first of the two videos he recorded on Friday on Friday and then 20 and then a few hours later tweeted going well I think thank you all thank you to all love um and funny thing about this tweet going well it's not actually going well it looks like it's going well but he wrote going and then said well he wrote he wrote w-e capital i lowercase l so I think while he was delirious from lack of oxygen he tweeted this from his hospital bed and I think he couldn't tell the difference between the characters because he was too physically weak. And he looks like garbage in that video on Friday, I'm going to be honest. He is not doing well. Um, so that was tweeted Friday. And then Saturday, um, today, he tweeted doctors, nurses, and all at the great Walter Reed Medical Center and others from likewise incredible institutions who have joined them are amazing. Tremendous progress has made over the last six months in fighting this plague. With their help, I am feeling well. Again, this tweet has some quirks. Um, he, I mean, Trump is never one to be good on the capitalization front or be thorough on punctuation. I mean, that comes with this whole telling it like it is persona that makes absolutely no sense, but it's worth calling out. He did miss, uh, a space between amazing and tremendous progress. And the general format of this just looks like something that was quickly 
ran out from his phone from a hospital bed. Um, I was not feeling well. Then a few hours later, well, an hour later, he posted, our great USA wants and needs stimulus work, work together and get it done. Thank you. And I don't, I can't believe Donald Trump wrote this tweet, this tweet primarily because I think this is the first time he's expressed a view like this on his Twitter. I think this was just something that somebody on his team threw together to make it look like he was still tweeting. And then there was nothing. And then four hours ago, he posted a video saying he thought he was doing well, essentially, and said that Melania's symptoms were not that bad, which I'm glad Melania's symptoms aren't that bad. And I hope the president recovers too, genuinely. But again, it's liberally infected a ton of people with coronavirus. And that, that is going to cause some interesting effects because, pull it up. Something Twitter is now calling the Rose Garden Massacre. So, a week ago, Trump had a Rose Garden event where he unveiled his Supreme Court nominee. And at this time, based on the timelines, he was already infected with coronavirus on this date. And during this event, um, many others have tested positive. Many others that attended this event have tested positive for coronavirus. That includes the president and Melania Trump. But also Senators Mike Lee, Thom Tillis, Kellyanne Conway, uh, Hope Hicks, and University of Notre Dame President uh, Reverend John Jenkins. And Trump introduced and shook hands with Amy Coney Barrett, who is the Supreme Court judge. And in addition to all these people, um, Chris Christie, and I'm not sure actually if he was at this event, I'm assuming so, has now also diagnosed as positive from coronavirus. It's more likely to be fair Christie got that from debate prep with uh, Trump in preparation for Tuesday's event, but still transferred to him. And, you know, Chris Christie's hospitalized now too, um, same as Trump was. So he's not doing well either. I mean, he's in a similar spot to Trump. A lot of comorbidities, not great chances of, honestly, not great chances of coming out completely unscathed. Um, And that's true for both Trump and uh, Christy, but it's worth noting and running through, um, oh, and also that list missed Bill Stepien, Trump's campaign manager, who was also infected, um, I'm assuming while working with Donald Trump. So the interesting ones here are Mike Lee, Thom Tillis, and Ron Johnson. And the reason these three are interesting, well, first, they're all Republican senators. And why does that matter is because of the context of Amy Coney Barrett's Supreme Court vote. The Judiciary Committee vote needs to happen October 22nd, and the majority of committee members must be present. Only 12 out of 22 of those are Republicans. If there's a committee members and Democratic boycott, there's no possibility for a vote. So on that Senate Judiciary Committee are Mike Lee and Thom Tillis, both of which have coronavirus. If both of those are not recovered by October 22nd, there can be no vote on Amy Coney Barrett. Well, there can be but that requires the majority to be present, meaning that if all of the Democrats boycotted that, the reality is there will be, well, actually, only 11 need to boycott it. Is that true? Uh, not doing my math right. No, okay. So if nine of the Democrats, so all but one of them, boycott that event, then what will happen is that 11 people from the Senate Judiciary Committee will not be present, so Amy Coney Barrett cannot be confirmed. 
or voted on. Now, they could, apparently Mitch McConnell could push Amy Coney Barrett's vote to the Senate floor. However, if, uh, without the, he could push it to the Senate floor without the Senate Judiciary Committee vote, but that Senate Judiciary Committee vote still needs to happen, and the reality is there need to be senators present for that vote, and senators can't vote remotely right now, so... Mike Lee and Thom Tillis are not present. That means that there are, including the two senators who have agreed not to vote. And this is where Ron Johnson, who's the other senator, Republican senator, comes in. What this means is with those three and with the two Republican senators who have confirmed they are not voting, it only is required that two of those three, between Mike Lee, Thom Tillis, and Ron Johnson, are not present for the vote and are unable to do so. In that case, what will end up happening is the Senate's 53 to 47 Republican majority turned into a 51 to 49 majority in the wake of uh, in the wake of the two senators who have agreed not to confirm Amy Coney Barrett will actually become a 49 uh, Republican to a well. 47, well, 49, 49 of those voting against to a 49 of those. Let me reward that. Essentially, what will happen is the majority of votes will be against Amy Coney Barrett present to a degree that uh, Mike Pence can't actually step in to be the deciding vote. So Amy Coney Barrett will not be confirmed if two of these people are not present. And that's, that's not good, and this general situation is not good in the wake of trying to cram through a nominee to the Supreme Court of the United States. What also is not good in this context is the fact that um, those three um, are in the freaking Senate, and there were a lot of other Republican senators that they have met with. And practically speaking, what this means is it could be assumed that Every senator, or at least every Republican senator, has been exposed to coronavirus. So there have been 53 senators, Republican senators, that are most likely exposed. Now, you take that number and you pull up the coronavirus statistics for morbidity rates, and hopefully, well, not hopefully at all, this is a terrible scenario, but if you look at the statistics and you look at the number of senators, what that means is something very, very bad. It means that statistically, one of those senators is going to die of coronavirus. Now, that's not quite, not one of those three, but one of the Senate in general. Now, granted, the way statistics works doesn't mean that if you have a 1% chance of dying, that if you have 100 people, one of them will certainly die. But it does mean that the chances kind of suck. And if you're in the scenario of a senator right now, there should be no cause to meet. Now, the good news on that front is that the Senate is taking a break and will not be in session for a few days while these senators are quarantined. 
which means the chances of that snare happening are reduced. But again, again, all of these, all of these senators could have already been exposed given the timelines. This is in addition to everybody that Donald Trump has met with could already be exposed given the timelines. I think... Now, some people have been calling this Trump's October surprise. There was a theory before when he was hospitalized that this was all fake. Trump will come back miraculously cured of hydro- cured using hydroxychloroquine and all will be well and he'll come back and he'll dominate the polls because he's a success story that recovered from this terrible virus using his cure. Now, that's a nice October surprise in favor of Trump. And it's a nice October surprise in the sense that it means it would mean the outcome is not the worst possible one. But I don't think that's the October surprise we're looking at. I think the October surprise we're looking at is that Trump is now essentially reaping the rewards of a situation he created. He's endangered from a virus that he's caused to be worse actively through incompetence and negligence of the issues. And because of that, he is in a situation that is entirely his fault where he is not only in put himself in danger. And as I said in the last podcast, by putting himself in danger, by extension, putting the reputation of the United States in danger, but he's also endangered a lot of other people in the past couple of days by a combination of what I would describe as incompetence, active negligence, and pure malice. And particularly under pure malice is not contacting uh, Biden's team when he was diagnosed with coronavirus. That's alarmingly disgusting. And I think this is going to hurt Trump. And the debate polls, the debate already hurt Trump, but this might be enough to just completely wreck his campaign. Now, now there's that October surprise. Then there's the third possible October surprise which is essentially we are in a situation where Mike Pence ends up running instead of Donald Trump. And there are a whole bucket load of ways that could happen that even involve the president coming out of this situation unscathed. There are many different things that have happened with this virus and that could happen. He could continue to be hospitalized effectively during the time of election. Hopefully that's not what happens, but if he is, and he's still recovering for this for months and months, uh, Mike Pence will be the active president and effectively become the president while Trump's own health is in question. The ballot would essentially become one between Trump and Biden, but then an even worse scenario where something actually happens to Trump, God forbid, it's not clear how that would even work in the scope of the election because all of the ballots for Trump would now <clears throat> no longer be valid. In addition, we'd be in a nightmarish scenario where essentially all of the chaos Trump has created would have will just be actively throwing the country into turmoil um, until essentially the executive branch, the Senate, and the judiciary are able to work out how to, to recover from the situation if there is even a way. Um, and I don't think, as of right now, I don't have an abundance of faith 
in the president's health. And that's mostly just due to what's come out of the conferences. That's due to the fact that even though um, uh, Trump's attending physician said he was in good spirits and recovering, Mark Meadows came up on stage and said there was no clear path to recovery for the president and the next 48 hours would be critical. That's because he appears very pale in this video and unhealthy, breathing deeply, and appears to be struggling. That's because he was also present in the other video um, that seemed to have been pre-recorded. And that's because the and the nature of that video itself being pre-recorded means that he is not in good condition right now. So essentially, what this all comes down to is a few things. One, the next 48 hours are going to be very important, both in Trump's health and both in the country watching what happens while he recovers from this virus. Now, <clears throat> I don't... I debated at one point in doing this podcast in a way that entirely excluded the mention of Trump. And the reason I debated doing that was because Trump, as I stated repeatedly and will continue to state, is a narcissist. And I don't want this... He doesn't deserve to be viewed in a sympathetic light in this situation when he's actively harmed so many people. And that's not even talking about the days prior to his diagnosis. That's talking about days during his diagnosis when he attended events without telling anyone and deliberately infected others. He doesn't deserve positive coverage and he doesn't deserve sympathy. And I didn't really want to present this in a way that would give that to him. However, the reality is the implications of this are simply too high. The potential risk that this carries for the country as a whole, potential implications this carries in the wake of Amy Coney Barrett's uh, Senate nom Judiciary nomination. The reality is uh, the President of the United States has done a remarkable amount of damage to the government right now by infecting so many people with coronavirus through sheer incompetence in his own administration and just outside of it, to an extent that I would argue he has done the most to destructively, actively harm the U.S. government of any president since the country's founding in 1776. And what that means is that the next 48 hours are going to determine not only Trump's own health and what continues to happen with that and what continues to happen with his presidency, but what's going to happen with all the senators who might have been exposed and all the judiciary who might have been exposed. And everyone that was actively harmed during this event. The situation is astoundingly, astoundingly bad. And it, Trump's actions go on to affect others because he is not thinking the correct number of steps ahead. And... It's not good. It's not going to be good for anyone. And you know what? The reality is that when I come back, whenever this situation is over and give that other podcast to follow up on this one, the situation could have gone any number of ways. And the impact of some of those is just honestly not good. So watch the next 48 hours. The second takeaway here is that there needs to be an emphasis, assuming, assuming recovery, on what Trump has done in the past few days and how his actions have directly impacted others, particularly if any end up succumbing to their illness, which, I, God forbid, does not happen. But again, statistically, it is going to happen, and it's not a good reality, but it's not something that's avoidable either. 
Now, I, I guess, I guess there are two more things to cover before we break. Those are the takeaways from the whole Trump coronavirus situation, which, you know, I'll, it's continuing to develop because he's an idiot. Um, two other things to, t- to talk about here are first Kellyanne Conway. Um, interestingly enough, I did want to mention her daughter, um, who apparently is a TikToker, actually revealed her daughter's, revealed her mother's illness after a meeting with Trump, revealed she was coughing around the house and got a positive COVID-19 diagnosis on uh, the news and was, well, not on the news, but on TikTok that then got put on Fox News. And well, Kellyanne Conway essentially had to come out and said she was infected with the virus. And I think what that tells us is nobody in this administration really wants to admit that they have it. And nobody related to the administration really wants to admit that they have it or that Trump did this to them or that anyone did this to them. And, you know, I get it. I get not wanting to tell others about that sort of thing if you're in that scenario. But the reality is, if you have an active diagnosis, you are in a, respons- you are in a responsibility to quarantine yourself. Now, last thing here, um, shortly after Trump's diagnosis, a trailer for a documentary called Totally Under Control was released that essentially was made in secret um, by documentary filmmaker Alex Gibney, who made apparently quite a few uh, influential documentaries over the past. It was made in secrecy over the past five months and was done interviewing scientists, medical professionals, and government officials on the inside, whistleblowing that scientists knew what to do the entire time the coronavirus was going on, but Trump would not allow them to do it. It promises damning testimony from public health officials and hard investigative reporting, names to expose a system-wide collapse caused by a profound dereliction of presidential leadership. Uh, he, other things Alex Gibney has made are where his documentary on the Theranos scandal, the inventor, his Scientology expose, going clear, uh, taxi to the dark side. And, oh, actually salt, fat, acid, heat, which is a great documentary on Netflix. But anyways, um, the free advertising I'm giving Alex Gibney aside, um, this is, this is another October surprise. This is another thing that will probably, well, for a poor analogy, um, I, I'm not going to make the obvious analogy, but basically continue to hurt um, presidents can- the president's campaign chances. Um, much like the president himself right now, his campaign is on oxygen, and any continued things that are going to be coming out about this are going to cause him to drop yet again. So... Yeah. We'll see where this lands. I mean, it might be you, every person listening to this and watching the situation has a right to be angry at the president for getting himself into this situation and getting countless others. And, you know, there is a crude sense of irony in it, but don't, I, I wouldn't disillusion yourself for a second that this situation in any way has a, positive uptick every outcome here is and that includes a full recovery and however trump spends it is not the best um the best outcome i think is trump recovers honestly and everything goes on as before um but 
anything could happen. It's 2020. Anyways, uh, that's all for tonight. I'll see you all when hopefully uh, the president is out of Walter Reed Medical Center. But for now, I will see you on the next podcast. Bye.